From OFS, I'm Doug Shapiro. This is the Imagine a Place podcast, where we explore the power of place and the role of design in our lives. As the buyer's journey becomes increasingly digital, so do our jobs, our communication, our processes. As Abby Murray embraced this new digital lens, her motivation for starting Mortar was built through a combination of frustration and opportunity. She saw the potential for a more inclusive, efficient, and greener way of doing business. Today, she's the CEO of Mortar, a website built around connecting ideas, products, and professionals in the commercial design industry. In this episode, she'll drop some advice on how we can be more digitally minded when it comes to finding efficiencies in our communication and process. A powerful moment in our conversation comes at the end, when I learn how Abby had to give up goodness to find greatness. We started actually as a branding agency in 2013. Um, I came from a marketing seat, a few different marketing positions in organizations and thought I could help more businesses with their branding and their visibility if I, if I started an agency. And so started the agency in 2013 and we took a really holistic approach to brands. So we would help them with their online presence and their branding and their campaign strategy, but also their physical spaces. And so as we were designing these spaces, it was very apparent the inaccessibility of the commercial construction and design industry because you couldn't find things online. You couldn't find ideas online for acoustical solutions. Um, you couldn't find inspiration that had information behind it about the project and who contributed to the project in order to hire that professional. You couldn't find contract-grade products, and this was back in 2013, back in 2015. Um, but the residential industry had come so far uh, by way of digitalization, and we knew that typically residential is a precursor for where commercial is going and headed next, and we saw a significant opportunity to to not only help other designers like ourselves and just general end users in the industry with more accessibility to this information, but also as a marketing back, with our marketing background, we saw an opportunity to help these companies in the industry market more efficiently. How do they get found today? You know, it's very traditional and very in-person and- You know, some people, some people are frustrated by our industry. Some people, love all the quirky weird stuff about it you know i'm just curious where you stand yeah um i think that depends on the date but again <laughs> you're asking me today so how do i feel today about the industry um i think we have come a long way i think that uh there was an ex an air of exclusivity that existed and maybe still exists today um mm. and we're trying to break that break those barriers down um through our platform and the accessibility of our platform, you'll hear me talk about a lot, but we really designed Mortar differently than all the other platforms that existed out there even, you know, even today, and really how the industry is set up as an exclusive 
exclusive access only, invite only type of environment to a more B2C style environment where these emerging professionals are are turning, right? They're, the, this industry is very becoming very consumerized. And so how do we create a more inclusive and a more accessible platform? So a lot of the content that we have out there today and even our freemium model is very much um, serving a broad base of, of end users, whether they're a small ma and pop, which 80 plus percent of the industry is made up of, but we're servicing the top 20%. So how can we as a platform create, and again, level the playing field a little bit for these smaller firms who are doing incredible, incredible work, but don't get the recognition for it because they don't have access. They are not in hmm. an exclusive club. What's the, what's the root of this exclusivity? Like what's causing it? What's creating it? I don't know. I, I, I don't know if it's if it's because there were there's so many barriers to entry as far as accessing samples and visiting showrooms and and exhibiting at shows that it's so costly that these companies have to create this this firewall, this gate to entry because they need to make sure that they're legitimate buyers. If that's why, because they're spending so much money on these mm. on these things because it's so inefficient or you know if it's embedded in the culture of the industry i don't believe it is but i don't i don't know i don't know and, and just to be be specific you're looking at maybe some of the smaller a and d firms right yeah that you're saying are not getting access to the yeah. clients that they should have access right to. right and I mean, and we were one of them, you know, we speak from experience because we were a very small design shop and it was just two of us. And, and we had, you know, a team of probably five to 10, give or take on the agency side, but you had to have an access pass to get to a sampling warehouse to check out samples. You had to have certain access to visit showrooms that we that we just couldn't get into. And it blew my mind. I didn't understand why these manufacturers and these companies didn't want to provide access to their products the way that the B2C world does. And um, we just, it was very frustrating. I can imagine. <laughs> so. I, I, well, I, lo I, love the, I love a good pun. It's the first time I've ever heard the word freemium. I was yes. like, oh, that, that's that's good. That's good. I don't know if that was you, but that's that's clever. It definitely wasn't um, me. SAS, the SaaS world knows a freemium really well, but but yeah. Okay, <laughs> there you go. Well, I, that, I am not in that SaaS world, but t take me through the the buyer journey. Okay, when you when you talk about this movement towards B two C, I mean, I I think a lot of us talk about that in a very vague sense, like we understand the notion behind that movement and we understand, okay, well, we need to be doing more e-commerce and we need to, you know, like everybody's kind of like there at this really 50,000 foot level, but take us through more specifically, like what's that buyer journey? What in the ideal world, you know, what does it look like? Yeah. Yeah. Great question. Um, and this was, I think this is part of our lean, right? As an agency, this was our job. Our job was to explore buyer behaviors and create an inbound strategy that brought this user to 
a specific platform. So now we can channel that specifically for mortar, but you look at the buyer today and we surveyed in partnership with ASID in Q1, uh, a large group of designers. And we asked them because there's this Forrester study out there that says 80 plus percent of the buyer's journey is done before they ever talk to a salesperson. And you've probably heard that stat dropped here or there. But we said, okay, we're applying it to this industry, but is it really true? So we did a study in, in our own study in, in Q1 with a group of uh, A&D professionals through ASID. 97%, 97% of them were reported the way that they kick off a project, the way that they begin the planning process is through a digital search. Hmm. Not through visiting a showroom, not to the sample warehouse, not to a trade show, a digital search. And so we look at that and we say, okay, even if it is 80% across the industry, which that has stat definitely holds true, it's probably much higher, especially given the last 18 months. The majority of industry firms spend 80% of their marketing budget on in-person traditional marketing tactics. So they're missing 80% of the buyer's journey. Hmm. So wow. what we're trying to do is help educate the industry, which, which quite honestly has been the most difficult, like the most unexpected um, hurdle to, to our growth was really how much time we had to spend educating the industry on what, what that looked like and how much they were missing with that buyer's journey and getting exposure to early, earlier in the planning stages so that they were thought of in consideration stage as they're making decisions. You know, they're, they're left off, they're left off the table in, in communication with and collaboration with these clients if they're not seen early on. And so we're really working on flipping that script and it's, it's definitely, again, the last 18 months have certainly accelerated the, the realization that the money spent on marketing is, needs to be flipped from an 80-20 traditional to an 80-20 digital. Um, and that's definitely happening right now. But, but yeah, yeah, very interesting. Yeah, that is, that is a very striking statistic. It's not surprising, though. It's just, wow, you know, and then you see the disconnect. Yeah. Well, thank you for taking us through that that buyer's journey kind of uh, mindset because um, I think we're all trying to get our arms around it in this industry. You know, we 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 really are. Um, is there anything that you know that you're really concerned about with with mortar? I mean, is there anything that's like, man, you know what? Changing behavior is harder than I thought. Or did you ever reach a point where you were like? man, maybe this isn't going to work. Oh my goodness. As a founder and entrepreneur, I think you reach that once a week <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> or more, exhausting. you know, this is amazing. This is insane. This is amazing. Uh, but that, 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 that those peaks and valleys have softened quite a bit, you know, year over year. So, uh, I, I think that if, if, you're not thinking that way and you're thinking everything is rosy, you're probably not thinking about it the right way. And Mm. you're probably not innovating fast enough. Um, I think all of us here uh, on our team really 
are constantly looking at a new way to do things. Um, and really, again, going back to that data, looking at the data to see what we can do better. Uh, and, and, and that's scary, right? You're constantly, when you have to constantly change, that's scary. And so if, you, if you're too comfortable, and everybody says this too, but it's so true, if you're too comfortable, you're probably not doing enough and not changing enough. And so um, I think that's a really, to a certain extent, that, that fear factor is a really healthy can be a really healthy component to growth. So, so tell me, I mean, what, what advice would you have then for, you know, smaller firms? You, you, at one point you were a smaller firm in the design space, you know, you've kind of moved into the digital space now, but I know you still have a, a design arm that you run. I mean, do you, is there some advice that you could share? Like step one, how do you, how do you become more digitally minded or digitally oriented? Like, can you give us like one, two, and three? What would the what would the advice be? Ooh, um, uh, hmm, that's a good question. I think, and I think it goes hand in hand with just that consciousness of your sustainable decisions as well, and just starting somewhere, changing one thing that is wasteful or inefficient, and you know it is. So, um, you know, maybe instead of visiting a client in person, which again, a lot of this is really common now compared to even 2019, but instead of meeting in person on a monthly basis, flip it to a digital meeting and have your collaboration ready to go, I mean, on mortar or whatever tool that you're using so that, that you can start to digitalize um, the customer experience as well. I think that's one of the fears that the industry has is, well, do I need, doesn't my client want this? And I think what's, what 18, these 18 months have taught us is not necessarily. You can, you know, there's an element of in-person that's very, very, very important. And we're a tactile industry. So there's an element of feeling and touching those samples that, that you're ordering. But just cutting back and honing in on a decision before you get to that point, before you're you're meeting with your client in person, maybe you're digitally connecting and collaborating to hone in on what you want to talk about in that meeting. So it's not such wasted time, wasted trip. Honing in on the actual samples that you want to talk through with your client and giving exposure to that client prior to the meeting. So you're not walking into a meeting with a bunch of samples that they don't want. And then that either ends in the landfill or it's a bunch of wasted time checking them back into the warehouse or returning them to um, the sampling provider, whatever that looks like. So that's probably not a very good one, two, three, but I think just starting somewhere, identifying one inefficient way that you could digitalize and trying it. And I think you'll find that, um, the client is, is delighted by the fact that they don't have to waste their time either. One of the hardest things in my career was turning off the switch for my agency that I had worked so hard to build and came across this better idea, which was mortar. And 
we had the the agency silently running in the background, not even silently, but running in the background while we built this built this built up this this idea and and began building the platform. But eventually, we had to focus, and focusing on one thing you're great at is very very important. And I've been told that many times in my career because I'm a creative. I have a lot of good ideas, but I had one really great one. And so turning off the agency and starting to turn away business was one of the most difficult things I ever had to do. And my business partners, and that's another piece of advice, get a group of partners that, that you jive with. It's like getting married, you know? Mm. Um, but my business partners were so encouraging, but also so helpful in showing me that this was a better opportunity, which I knew, but letting go of that other thing that I built was really hard. So being great at one thing sometimes means letting go of some things that you're really good at or some ideas that are really good, but they're not the best. So best idea wins. We talk about that a lot in the office, and that's certainly been a theme of my career because, um, you know, I worked so hard to build out this agency and then eventually had to, um, eventually sold it. And that was, that was a big win, but, but still letting go of some of those opportunities was really hard for me, but I know it was the right decision. So. I've always heard that being great at something involves sacrifice. And I think most of us relate that to hours in the gym or at practice or studying. It takes hard work, right? But this is sort of a different kind of sacrifice that I've really never processed before. Sometimes to pursue something great, it means letting go of something good. It just makes you wonder, what else are we hanging on to right now? That's, you know, good when great might be right within our reach. Abby, thanks so much for spending your time with me. I'm excited to follow along and see what you do next. If you enjoyed today's episode, we would really appreciate a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. To discover more design stories, visit us at OFS.com slash imagine a place. From OFS, I'm Doug Shapiro, and you've been listening to Imagine a Place.